Welcome to the Think Christian podcast, where we talk about faith and popular culture, because there's no such thing as secular. I'm Josh Larson, editor over at thinkchristian.net. Multiverses, I'm a little tired of them. Spider-verses, well, that's another thing entirely. On this episode, we're going to dive into the many, many, many layers of Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. That's a sequel to the 2018 film that some people think is the best Spider-Man movie ever made. Before we do that, a quick thanks to a couple of folks who left some reviews of the TC Podcasts over at Apple Podcasts, including Austin to Star Wars. They said using contemporary culture, they show how Jesus is found in our real world. Loving, caring for everyone. Honesty, humor, love, freedom. Well, thank you very much for that. We also heard this from Faiki Faikai Ma. I think the keyboard did a lot of work there. So I love this podcast, pushes me to consider new things on pop culture and gives me some good talking points with my college age kids and their friends. Thank you both for those reviews. Now, we did offer a little incentive lately to folks to go ahead and leave a review of the show on Apple Podcasts. If you left a review, you would be entered into a drawing to win one of the books that have been written by a member of the TC Podcast team. So think Sarah Welch Larson's Becoming Alien or Joe George's The Superpowers and the Glory. We do need to identify those winners. So if you're listening and you left one of those reviews I just mentioned, please do email us at tcpodcast at thinkchristian.net. That way we can send a book your way. So that's tcpodcast at thinkchristian.net. And of course, if anyone else wants to leave a new review of the show on Apple Podcasts, we have a couple of books left to give away. So go ahead and do that. Thank you very much in advance. Time now for a glowing review of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I know because my guest, Emmanuel Padilla, was sitting next to me at a screening for the film earlier this week, and his excitement was palpable. Let's bring him on to discuss. This is a first-time appearance on the TC podcast for Emmanuel Padilla, though he's written for us at thinkchristian.net a number of times. He's written about Steven Spielberg's West Side Story, Bad Bunnies, Un Verano, Sinti, just to name a couple of the articles he's done. The two of us, we just came from the same screening last night of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Emmanuel, we'll get to that, but first I need to follow up on the conversation we had over dinner. Both of us, yeah. new puppies in our houses. We are in the midst of training. How did little Bennett do last night? Did you guys get much sleep? He woke us up a total of five times between the, between the two of us. Yeah, Kelly and I were up several times last night. I, I think... I think he's gotten worse since we we brought him from Georgia. We spent the first few days at my in-laws place which has a huge you know huge yard and that kind of Got thing. It. So he could he could run out all his energy in the day and then he was sleeping through the night pretty easily. Mm. But you know Chicago, big city, condo, you know, smaller space, no yard, that kind of thing and it I think it's changed the dynamic for him. <laughs> oh man. See and here I thought I'd given you some encouragement. You went away positive. It was going to be all good from here on out, but no, sounds like I uh, wish. <laughs> Okay. I wish he's, he, but we did something today that, that I think will help. 
We took him to, I didn't know these existed. We took him to a puppy gym. You literally oh, sign yeah. a membership and then, okay. you know, you, you, you could sign up for, you know, gym time, they exercise, or you can sign up for classes and all sorts of stuff. So we took him to a class today where all he did was play with other puppies for four hours. He came hey. home and he's been dazed all day. That'll do it. That will That'll absolutely do it. do it. So yeah, <laughs> part of me is like, what does this world come to? But then part of me is like, you do what you have to do to get that rest. So you make it work. You make it work. And I bring all this up because, yeah, as I mentioned, I've got my Louise here who you might hear from. She's in the closet with me. Our YouTube viewers probably see me ducking down because she's gnawing at the microphone stand. Um, so <laughs> bear with me while I try to get th through this with Louise on hand here. Yeah, and I had to tuck away to a friend's space just to just to exactly. be away from the barks and the yelps and yeah. Yeah, look at look at our lives are totally upended. So one of the other things we talked about was your deep affection for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, the 2018 animated film and apparently it's become uh, a bit of a Christmas season watch for you. So maybe tell listeners a little bit about how that came about. Yeah, so if, if folks remember the first film, Into the Spider-Verse, released uh, Christmas season 2018. It released just a few days before Christmas. And I watched it with my two second cousins. You and I, Josh, were trying to figure out what exactly the family relation is. My cousin's children. Puerto okay. Rican families were very close. I still hang out with my cousin's kids. And so I took the two of them to watch it the first Christmas. And then I watched it a few times during that, that break. And since I'm a PhD student, uh, you often look for ways to veg out and rest in the midst of the craziness <laughs> of a PhD. Over the Christmas breaks, I, I've looked for other films beyond Christmas films that are good watches, just excellent movies, worth watching. They're restful, but still engage the mind. And my wife and I, Kelly and I decided, you know what, let's just add it to the rotation. So since 2018, we've watched it every Christmas. And so it's been five years now. Is that right? Sounds right. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Not your typical Christmas movie, but I like the the tradition yeah. behind it. It's yeah, not it's a Christmas been, movie, but it's great. It's been a couple of years since we had the first film, and now we have the sequel, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. This catches us up with Miles Morales, uh, voiced by Shameik Moore. He's now 15, and juggling being a son, being a student, being a friend, and then all this, of course, while being your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. As the title implies, the movie sends him on this multiversal adventure where he meets Spider-Heroes from a variety of worlds, way more Spider-Heroes than we even met in the 2018 film. So tell me, Emmanuel, was this expansion of the Spider-Verse one of the things you liked about the movie, that it got bigger? I did. Yeah, no, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I think that of the of the options for describing how multiversal worlds and, and logics work, I think this one is a strong one, especially because it's building on a pretty solid foundation in the first film. I think the first film established several of the rules in ways that were clear and simple and easy to follow. And so while this one has certain Potential, I, I don't want to say with certainty yet, but certain potential connections to MCU logic, given some of the ways that it works, I think it still follows primarily the rules of that first film and expands it in ways that are, again, still easy to follow. They don't require tons of exposition from one or two of the characters to make it make sense. You can mm. kind of enter into it and follow along relatively easily. And I, I enjoy it for that. I was debating with a few friends of mine whether or not this film 
was on par or better than the first film in light of some of those those uh, questions about the multiverse. And we think that it's a strong sequel in that sense. Yeah, let's get to that. Do you think it's better? Because I think I'm there. I think I enjoyed this actually more as much as I love the first one. Yeah, someone earlier today joked with me that this this did the Empire Strikes Back all over Ooh, again. Or, okay, or this did okay. the Terminator 2 or the Godfather 2, right? All these sequels that have... Wow that have huge, huge followings. The Dark Knight, if you want to go comic sure. book. I think, I think I'm with you. I think this, this one is, is strong. The, the themes are rich. It, again, it, it even deepens some of the themes from the first film. There, there's little, little echoes of the first film here and there that I think are, are really brilliant in ways of tying Miles and his story to his family and the, the influences that inform who he is as a character. And and because of that, because he's Afro-Puerto Rican and I'm also Afro-Puerto Rican, there's ways in which that I just love seeing more of him. And so, yeah, I think this film exceeds the first one. Yeah, you touched on some of those things. It, it is really a deepening and an enriching of a lot of what we saw before. It has a little more freedom, maybe, to do that. There's a little longer running time. But the characters are even more fleshed out, even though I think that was a strength of the first film. We get to know them better. We get to know the challenges they're facing a little better. And of course, all of this is going on with in with what's been maybe the most exciting thing about the first film was the animation. This animation style, which was so unique in our world of, you know, you got your Pixar style, you might have your DreamWorks style, your Illumination style. Each studio, we're pretty familiar with a lot of this, even, you know, from uh, Miyazaki. Great career, yeah. but has come to be a familiar style. And then came this Spider-Verse movie that just looked completely different. I've got to say, I think that's an element that's even been deepened and enriched with across the Spider-Verse because they're going to these different worlds and each one has its own visual design. And so we should probably credit the directors here, Joaquin Dos Santos, Kemp Powers, Justin K. Thompson. Obviously, they're leading a massive team of artists behind them. Huge. Has to be huge. Huge team, right? And But what they're doing is giving each of these worlds their own attention you know, the action is still crisp. The, it's never confusing. The characterizations are really full of personality. But for me, it was the exploration of these animated worlds that was absolutely awe-inspiring. So I wanted to ask you if you had a favorite locale or spider hero world among the ones we visited that kind of jumped out at you. Yeah, so we didn't talk about this yesterday, but I've been thinking about it since watching the film. We didn't visit his world, but I think what they did with Spider-Punk it works on two levels. The When he's wearing his mask and he's Spider-Man, when I think his name is Ho Hobie Brown, yeah. when Hobie Brown is, you know, in spider costume, he has a certain, he looks like he's almost stitched together like a collage or, you know, he, he's sort of a mashup of different pieces of paper, right? And so, so in that way, he, he still looks like he's pulled off of a page. And because he's a punk rocker, some have noted, I've seen some commentary online that they, that he looks like the the ways that posters get pasted on a wall to announce a punk rock concert. Yeah, yeah that makes uh, sense. I'm going to go a different direction, though. I think that that's probably true. But another way that we can interpret it, when he takes the mask off and you see Hobie's face, he looks like John Michel Basquiat to me. He's an mm -hmm. artist from New York City. What's interesting about that is Spider-Punk, the character in the comics, is from New York City. And Basquiat is also very anti-establishment, like this character is. He's fighting against certain class issues that come up in his world. And so I wondered if the art style for Spider-Punk actually was meant to reflect 
the possibility that they also made him look like Basquiat because Basquiat's art is also kind of collagey, kind of paper stitched together that way. So I, we didn't visit his world, but I think that visual was really, really cool as, as it displayed some of the, the values and commitments of that character. It's very possible. I mean, they're pulling from so many influences depending on whether they're depicting the worlds or the characters. So that makes a lot of sense to me as well. And adding to all of this, the characterization, Daniel Kaluuya, who I didn't realize was even in this, is the voice of Spider-Punk. Yeah. Absolutely perfect. Though, as we were both saying, like it, it takes a while to, to catch up with exactly his dialect and his accent to, to catch the little quips he's making. But yeah, that's just an example of one of the many characters who stand out so individualized and bring something unique to this movie. As far as the the worlds and the backgrounds, for me, it was where we started Gwen Stacy's world. Again, voiced by Haley Steinfeld again here, uh, Spider-Gwen. And I loved how the backgrounds there had this painterly watercolor effect. And it added to the emotional experience for me. So when, for example, Gwen and her father are really getting into an argument, the walls in their apartment start to drip. Those colors drip and merge, and it's almost yeah. like the walls are weeping. So this is the level of attention to detail that we're getting in this film. It's just, it's one of those movies that was so creative. It struck me as a testament to the fact that, you know, we've been created to create that idea. And the imagination on display here, it's so phenomenal. It's its an echo for me of, of God's own creativity. Not only in giving us this, you know, the one glorious world we've got, but then coloring it with so much vibrant diversity. You've already touched on this in a number of ways. Yeah. Uh, it's just a, it's a celebratory, praiseful movie for me. That was my, that was my feeling coming out of it. As much as it's an adventure movie, a comic book movie, an emotional coming of age teen movie, it just felt celebratory to me. A hundred percent. I mean, there's these little details, right? Rios is her name, I believe. Miles' mom. She snaps her finger and the Puerto Rican flag is what comes up as she snaps. Mm. Uh, she says, you know, Miles, he asks her bendición. For Puerto Ricans, that's an important cultural practice. I said to say they got a lot of this diversity stuff right. They were very mm. careful. There's that scene. It's been in trailers, so I'm not spoiling anything. There's the scene between the Indian Spider-Man and Miles Morales where Miles says, I like chai tea. And the, <laughs> the, the Indian Spider-Man corrects him and says, you're just saying TT. What are you doing? And so th there are all these little details throughout in the visuals with the snap and the Puerto Rican flag, the the ways that they color and paint the the backgrounds, right? There's all these details that show a really diverse world. Even in Miles's world, which is, of course, the primary world we spend a lot of time in, you see that his neighborhood, has Brooklyn, has continued to diversify. So you see mm -hmm. not just Puerto Rican flags now in, in the world that he's in, but you see there's, there's a Jewish bakery that shows up in the background. There's a few other kind of pockets of community. You see, yep, that's New York City. That's Brooklyn. That's familiar, right? And so I think they did a great job with those diverse elements. So I wanted to bring up a... Think Christian article we published around the time of the release of the first film. And Joe George wrote this, uh, one of our comic book experts here at Think Christian, superhero experts. And he wrote about it in the context of the Great Commission. So the way that Miles Morales, we're all sort of like him in that we're called to serve a greater mission, but also like him in that we have to learn to do that through our own unique giftings. So his Spider-Man is unique from the others we meet in the film. That was kind of the trajectory that he had. I was wondering if that was a theme you saw continued here or or does across the Spider-Verse go in a little bit of a different direction for you? Yeah, so both and. 
So for one, great piece on Think Christian. Everyone should go and read it. I, I read it this morning again in, in preparation for the podcast. And the first film asked the question, who can be Spider-Man? And of course, Miles Morales personifies the idea that anyone can be Spider-Man, right? And, and it's this idea in the article that the Great Commission invites us all to be those that preach the gospel, that evangelize the world, that, that preach the good news of Christ resurrected and resurrecting the world, right? This second film does something that I think is kind of interesting if we follow the, the arc of the New Testament in that, well, if anyone can do this, what does it mean for the rules of the community? That do we have to follow or obey the same or, or have the same backstory? So I think of the book of Acts, right? The church is growing. People are being added. The Ethiopian eunuch is being added. People outside of the Jewish community are being added. And there has to be a council, a gathering, right? Acts 15, there's the, the council in Jerusalem. There's a gathering. And Paul goes to talk about the, the salvation of Gentiles. And the question comes up, must Gentiles convert to Judaism? Must they be circumcised? Must they follow certain rules? And the community has to determine what those rules are. There's something similar happening in this film where must Miles anchor to what makes a Spider-Man according to certain set rules, right? Must he have the the death, the Ben character death, right? Mm -hmm. Must he have that responsibility? Must he make certain sacrifices? That's the question. Must Miles commit to a certain kind of hegemony of practice, culture, and anchor points. And I don't want to say too much and spoil certain elements of the ways that the multiverse logic works, but I think that that's the growth, right? If anyone can be a part of this, must they be a part of this in a certain way is the question that it asks. And that question comes up quite a bit in the New Testament. It's a contested live question that has theological implications. Yeah, I think that especially applies as you were getting at to this character voiced by Oscar Isaac, Miguel O'Hara, who's leading this spider society, who's kind of positioned himself to be in charge of the spider heroes across the multiverse and, as you said, keep control of it. And that's an ongoing question is the tightness of his control. How does he hold that control? What, what did you think of that character? Yeah, it, it borders on, and again, I don't think I'm spoiling things. This is the question that comes up in the trailer. It borders on asking, is he the villain? Right? Yeah, you, for sure. you end up asking multiple times throughout, like, is this guy the villain or is the other character that we've seen in trailers, you know, is the spot the villain? Who mm-hmm. who actually is in the wrong here? Uh, I think that that becomes the, the question, control, right? How much we control yeah. who belongs and what people's destinies are. You know, we're, we're playing God when we do that. And the, the New Testament, the early church had to really listen to the spirit and trust the Lord to determine how exactly we become a single community while maintaining some of that diversity of voice, of story, of background, of, of life practices and rituals. That becomes an increasingly complicated question to answer even in the first few years of the church and much more so now, right? That's what I was going to say. I mean, it's this isn't something that has been figured out that the church isn't struggling with anymore, right? Right, right. <laughs> Certainly not. <laughs> yeah, and so, and it's interesting that this movie plays on that question, right? Because it, it, it shows that this, this goes beyond the church. It gives the church an opportunity to bear witness to an otherwise world to say, we don't, act, we don't have to actually control certain aspects of people's lives. We can invite them into the good news, to live into the story of the good news of Jesus Christ without restricting and starting to control certain aspects of their lives. Again, this gets really complicated, but I, I think that becomes the, the anchor point for the church 
to determine an opportunity, an evangelistic opportunity, right? Yep. So we were wondering after the screening, do we talk about the fact, and we did, so we will, that this is, which was new to me, you knew it, but that this is essentially a part one. So we're getting like an infinity war here. I usually yeah. try to to play it low. I don't watch a lot of trailers. I don't want to know much going into movies. And here's the downside of that, you know, not keeping up on it. I didn't realize it. I'll just say, even though this is two hours and 20 minutes, I did not feel that running time. And so it wasn't like that was something that was to the movie's detriment, that all of a sudden, basically it did all of a sudden end to me, which showed me how invested I was in what was going on. And I'm eager for the next part too. You know, I remember feeling, I've come around this a little bit. I remember feeling a little ripped off with Infinity War because then I was wrestling with the whole Marvel machine is like, what are they trying to do here? This was more of an organic expansion of the story that needs more time to be told, I felt like. Yeah, agreed. You know, it was funny. You and I had very different reactions when that to be continued came up, right? Yes, it's yes. like, hold on, wait a minute. What? You know, Josh is sitting there going, excuse me? And I'm like, <laughs> and our, the audience, when we watched it, it was very, it was the most hype I've oh ever seen an audience Incredible. to see it to be continued, right? Like yes. most people are bemoaning, they're upset, but people were literally shouts of excitement and joy to see that to be continued. And so I think that's a good sign that, that people want yeah. more, right? Uh, and to your point, I think it gives them the space to flesh out for an animated film and, and people judge animation in wrong ways, but for an animated film, this story has real depth to it. Even, I'll just say one thing here that I've been thinking about ever since. The first film, you know, it's been out for five years now, y'all, so I'm going to talk about it here in some detail here. <laughs> You're good. In the first film, the primary dynamic that shapes Miles' life is with the men in his life. His father, mm. his uncle, and his mentor, yeah, Peter that's B. Parker. It's the men in his life that, that become the kind of anchor points that, that he's now, the dynamic between them is what's shaping him, making him into Spider-Man, helping him to determine what it means to fulfill his promises, that kind of thing. In the second film, the thing that I, one of the things that I love the most about it is, is they, they flip it now. And the trailer has shown this. The very first trailer had the monologue from his mom. And it's the women. It's the relationship with Gwen Stacy. It's the relationship with his mom. It's the women in Miles's life that now become the anchor points. And the dynamic between them is what shapes who Miles is or isn't, right? Must Miles follow the rules of what it means to be Spider-Man? Or can he diverge from them? That's the question that is presented. And it's the voices of his mom and Gwen that drive his decisions related to that. I can hear you being quiet, Mom. I, um, hope I didn't ice your game, man. No one my age says those words in that order. It's just hard to see my little man not being my little boy all the time. There's a great scene, maybe one of my favorites in the movie, even though it's quiet, not action, that speaks exactly to that. And it's when he and Gwen have been reunited and they're on top of a building, just having a quiet moment with each other. She, there's an overhang to the skyscraper. So they're way yeah. up in the city, right? And she walks underneath the overhang. I love what she does first though. She ties up her hair, right? So yep. it's in like a ponytail. And you're wondering why is she doing that now? It's cause, so she walks under the overhang 
because she's spider Gwen can just sit there like she's sitting she like normal. Stick. Yep. Right, she could stick, and then her ponytail like kind of just falls down as gravity would pull it. Then they flip the frame, right? They flip the quote-unquote camera, and, and we're seeing her. It's so beautiful because we're seeing her as if she were sitting, but that ponytail is straight up in the air like something is pulling it. And then Miles comes down, sits next to her the same way, and as they're quietly talking, we notice the skyline because the camera has been flipped is all upside down behind them. Yep. And it's just, again, some imaginative, gorgeous animation, but also creating this space for them to have this peaceful moment that speaks to what you were just talking about, too. The women in his life, how he's learning to interact with them, particularly the wisdom they're imparting for him. Yeah, I think that's a really cool through line that distinguishes this movie from the first one. Yeah, and, and what's funny is even though there's a distinction there, there's also an echo of the first one. When he takes his leap of faith, which was talked about in that first Think Christian article, when he takes his leap of faith in the first film, they also flip the camera and you see him almost rising into Manhattan You're as he's right. falling down, right? So, yeah, so there's yeah. also kind of an echo of this is another moment that's that's spiritual, that's deep, that's important, even though it's not action as he's there having his conversation with Gwen. Yeah, yeah, and but it involves a, a reorientation in some way, both emotionally, right. spiritually, but also we're seeing that on the screen. Yeah. So, yeah, great stuff in this film. Uh, probably a lot more we could talk about. Is there anything before we we sign off you wanted to touch on? Anything else? Yeah, I want to make one other one other observation about this film that I think is really, it's just really interesting. I think people should pay attention to the names. I don't know this for sure, but one thing that stuck out to me is there's a character in Mumbatan, I think is how they name the Indian city. Yes. Uh, there's a character named Gayarti, and I bring that up. That may be a common name. I don't know. Let me admit that. But it, it brought up for me because there's some conversations in that part of the story. There's some conversations about, about the relationship between India and England that, that comes up a couple of yes. times, right? And there's a little dig, right? There's a little dig there. Yeah. And it was very interesting to me that they named the character Gayarti because Gayarti Spivak is a is a very significant scholar who has had lots to say about the relationship between India and England in really important ways. So they, so they name a character and it, it stood out to me. I was like, oh, I wonder if that little dig, they're also giving another homage, right? So, so I just say, pay attention to the names of places and peoples, because I think there are little subtle ways in which this film is, is really building on expanding our kind of views of the world and the relationship yeah. between one another. That's something worth digging into. I don't know offhand either. I can tell you that that world, that Mumhattan or however it's supposed to be pronounced, was maybe my second favorite with the use of pastel colors. It was beautiful. And, oh my goodness. And we get a good maybe 10 minutes, maybe a little bit more sequence there as well. So yeah, some really gorgeous stuff here. Well, thank you so much for joining me. It was great that this worked out, that we actually got to see the movie together. And yeah, talk about it a little bit. I want you to tell folks something about your work outside of Think Christian, though, and let them know where they can follow you if they want to keep up with some of that work. Yeah, well, Josh, thanks again for having me. Thanks for letting me join to, to watch this film. I am stoked for others to watch it. I can't wait to take my second cousins again to have them there you go. In, their, in their world, right? If you want to know a little bit more about me, you can follow World Outspoken. It's the ministry that I help to run and lead. 
World.spoken is a ministry helping to prepare what we call the mestizo church. You might say bicultural Christians, prepare them for the world that they're now engaging. We all have this sort of sense that the world is becoming a world of in-betweens, that I exist in this world and that world, or I exist in this place with this culture, but also in that place with that culture. And that can be kind of complicated to navigate. We help churches and Christians to make sense of what it means to do church together in those in-betweens. And so if you're looking for resources and looking for ways to, to engage that conversation, you can follow us. You just look up world as in globe and then outspoken as in you're going to tell a story or speak out about something, right? Worldoutspoken.com is the website. You can also find us on all social media platforms. You can find me on Twitter at Emmanuel Emanuel with one M. It's spelled in Spanish, Emanuel W-O-S. So at Emmanuel W-O-S for World Outspoken. You can follow me on Twitter and we can talk about Miles Morales, the NBA, <laughs> all kinds of things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We got into some NBA chatter last night, didn't we? That's yeah, for we another did. show. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, Emmanuel. I am, I'm so glad that you were able to hop on the mic with me. Thanks for having me. Now, if you're into these Spider-Verse films as much as Emmanuel Padilla, you'd probably like to know that one of the ways here at Think Christian we got through quarantine during the pandemic in 2020 was having a TC podcast watch party of Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. So a bunch of us got together online, watched the movie, and then we did have a discussion about it afterward. What's more, we recorded our in-movie commentary as sort of a live DVD commentary type thing. So if you wanted... You could listen to that while you are watching Into the Spider-Verse and hear our thoughts. Now, the easiest way to find all that audio is probably on our website, thinkchristian.net slash podcast. That's thinkchristian.net slash podcast. Looking ahead for the podcast, we're going to be taking a little bit of a summer hiatus for the rest of this month, but we will be back in July. I don't know, maybe we'll have a little bit of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny talk. To get us ready for that fifth indie movie, I did write about the different ways his infamous whip is used and has been used across the series and what that says about his character as a hero. I did that up on the website, thinkchristian.net. It's sort of a theology of Indiana Jones, I guess, considering the movie prop as icon. Now, if you want to make sure to catch all of the articles that we publish at thinkchristian.net, the best way to do that is to sign up and receive our emails. You can do that at thinkchristian.net slash subscribe. The TC Podcast is a listener-supported production of Reframe Ministries, a family of programs designed to help you see your whole life reframed by God's gospel story. Visit reframeministries.org for more information. Our audio engineer and post-production supervisor is John Reeder, and Reframe's co-director overseeing content strategy is Robin Basler. I'm Josh Larson. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back in a couple of weeks to consider how another corner of our pop culture fandom connects with our faith.